Welcome to Two Fools Trying to Make a Musical, about two fools trying to make a musical. To stay up to date on news, share your thoughts and opinions, and generally spend more time thinking about this, you should please visit twofoolstrying.com. That's T-W-O foolstrying.com. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Fools Trying. Last time on Two Fools Trying to Make a Musical. I think that the jaunty theme from our podcast open needs to be in First Ladies, and I actually have right. the perfect place. Because as we all know, the first, uh, uh, well, as teachers, the first attempt at something clearly is the best. Always. Isn't that what you tell your students? Uh, no. Well, I think that strategy, Joe, would ruin our whole first draft theory. <laughs> general and a little more stately, which is what you wrote anyway, yeah. seems to be the way to go before we goof it all up and they come out dressed like Christmas trees. Yes, First Ladies on Parade. And it features my favorite part, Joe, them <laughs> screaming over and over, First Ladies! <laughs> well, uh, due to my complete lack of uh, knowledge <laughs> about First Ladies and my refusal to learn anything... Yes, um, you could ask me who it should be. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly right. That was last time, now this time, so to speak. So, All right, so let's say, let's say we're beginning another episode right now. Okay. Well, uh, uh, welcome back, Steve. <laughs> oh, thanks, Joe. How have you been? <laughs> <laughs> were, we just, were we just talking about the opening scene? Ah, uh, man, it feels like it, doesn't it? It really does. It's almost like we were talking about it five minutes ago. Um, but I'm glad that our one right. listener has stuck around. So um, let's do let's do this and then leap right into it. So my name's Joe, and I'm Steve, and you thankfully are still listening to Two Fools Trying to Make a Musical. We have made quite a bit of progress. We spent um, a good deal of time last time talking about that opening song with two opening songs or, or the opening song with two sections the slow uh reflective uh, part we got into talking about how lyrics could be divided up um and i thought we came up with some pretty good ideas oh yeah i think um, so yeah and then we launched into the magnificent uh theme that has kept us going through this whole thing First ladies. <laughs> it's going to be one of those shows where people leave going, "Oh God, all I hear in my head is first ladies." Well, let's let's hope they don't leave right after that song. <laughs> Which, I was implying the conclusion of the show. I, I it's know, not out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> it's not, not at all. They could be streaming out of the Kennedy Center in the first five minutes. I'm not down with this. I I think the fact that we've got them there in the first place is a win. <laughs> so we're the producers then. Uh, well, uh, by our uh, through our creative process, people are. <laughs> People have purchased seats, or maybe we've given them away. I don't know because who knows. But all right, so, all right, now, so now we need to talk about the first ladies on parade, right? Where the ladies come out and we, they briefly get us like a second to for us to hear from each one. So and is I, this is this uh, opening 
scene. So after the host welcomes everyone, after we have our first ladies, uh, host welcomes everyone to America's greatest pageant of pomp and circumstance, who will be crowned America's first lady. Let's meet our contestants as we take a journey through time in the spectacular first ladies on parade and their musical shifts to a more classical theme, which I like the idea. My question is, is the rest of this largely sung? Is that the intention? Uh, well, what I had in there that is, because you can see it, what I had italicized is sung, and what I have not italicized is spoken. Okay, just clarify. So there are some spoken moments. Right. So Martha Washington out first. I had to visit camp a lot because the general was gone a ton. I was happiest at Mount Vernon, and my name is Martha Washington. And then Abigail Adams, I ran the farm at Quincy, and am smart as I am sassy. Abby says, speaking of herself, remember the ladies, and always keep it classy. And remember the ladies is something she did actually write to her husband, John. Okay. Nice. And then Martha, because Tom's Thomas Jefferson's wife had actually died by the time he was president. Uh, my poor mother, Martha, died before my father won the title. So as Martha Jefferson Randolph, I did the hosting to keep life lighter. And then Dolly Madison breaks out, not singing, just says, Woohoo! Hey, everybody, Dolly Madison here. Don't you love the peacock plumes? She's wearing them. It's all the rage right now. I'll tell you about that at the big soiree I'm throwing this weekend. It's going to, oh, am I out of time? Oh, sorry. Girl power. And she gets dragged off. Nice. Spe- spectacular. So. <clears throat> Right. So now when it says classical theme, here was what I was thinking. And actually, I had rhythmically in my head and maybe maybe I shouldn't tell you this because it influences what you make. Or do you care? Um, You can tell me all you like. I, I will reserve the right to completely ignore you. Excellent. Yeah. I was thinking very Gilbert and Sullivan. Oh, yeah. Sedative. Yeah, that you know, makes sense. I had to visit camp a lot because General was gone a ton. I was happy at Mount Vernon, and my name was Martha Washington. Right, the model of a modern major general. Yes, I had that I in am my the very model of the modern major general, yes. Correct. From Pirates. Ah, yes. And then Dolly, Dolly won't allow us to complete that, which is good, because yeah. no one will know we ripped that off rhythmically. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and it's also... And there's that. It gets you out of having to fit the lyrics to that last line. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's nice, right. But nice also, work. since Dolly is one of our top 15, you know, let's give her a breakout moment where people remember her, especially since uh, in the very opening of the show. Yeah. Well, yeah, I did choose her for the very opening of the show. So since she gets that breakout moment there, maybe I'd stick one of the other 15 in her moment, but whatever. So then so we meet the first four and then I gave I give the the group first ladies because usually what happens in a pageant, you'll meet some some of the ladies and then the girls in the back, so they felt like they had something to do at the pageant. Yeah. Which is, I guess, literally what we're doing to our own chorus. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> gets yes. To, yeah. Gets to come in. And I wasn't thinking anything here. I just wrote some stuff. Early on, first ladies wasn't even a thing. The first first ladies bravely had to enter the ring. Figure it out. What does it mean? These ladies helped us get there once they came on the scene, and then more ladies come out. So that could that's those are placeholder lyrics. Yes, could be anything. Okay, but we're still kind of in a classical mode. Yeah, yeah, sure. As we bring out some of these earlier first ladies, but you know the problem I have with like the modern major general idea very wordy. Yes, it is. So I just shorten this. 
uh, Elizabeth Monroe, call me La Belle Americaine or just Mrs. Monroe, please, which is what people called her. Louisa Adams, John Quincy often was a pain, especially to his own Louise. Ah, nice. <laughs> yep. Rachel Jackson, Andy defended his Rachel's honor before he buried me in the garden in Anna Harris and I, Anna, wished to see the Capitol, but husband William died too sudden. Nice. Then the Tyler wise, we both married our John Tyler. Julia says Letitia first. Letitia says young Julia after. And then Sarah Polk and no dancing or drinking for the Polks. They called me Sahara Sarah. Please, no laughter. So I think we can go kind of a classical-ish theme, although the second group maybe wouldn't be, isn't the same thing. I gave you room to rhythmically kind of change that, and yeah. but it's still kind of classical, right? Yeah, so I, will then- say, I will say before we skip too far past that opening idea. So, I mean, just thinking about the modern major general thing, I know often when that's performed, you have to slow it all the way down so that people can right. understand the lyrics. So I right. think... You know, we, yeah, I'll, I, but I'll, I'll figure out something. So maybe we turn a theme into a classical idea and it comes back later. I, d- I don't know. Yes. Well, I let you play with that because I've handed you a musical mess of a challenge here for the open. But I think ep- when the first ladies come back in that interspersed verse from time to time, yeah, that's where we can be coming back to something uh, musically, thematically a little bit. But okay. the other challenge I had in lyricizing this is that you you don't want every first lady to come out like they do in a pageant and say, hi, I'm Elizabeth. Hi, I'm Louisa. Hi, Absolutely. I'm Ra-. Right. Right. And that became very hard to do after a while. So one of the things that I'm kind of counting on is the idea they're going to be wearing one of those pageant banners with their name across it. Uh, right. And that's going to do some of the work, plus whatever they, you know, costume-wise come up with does some of the work plus they're going in chronological order so that helps you a little bit even if you don't know all these first ladies every once in a while one pops up that you go oh yeah okay so that was a challenge right I thought so after yeah you got something there no i think i i, I think that's absolutely right i think there's got to be it's all it's all got to gel together and i think it becomes very confusing to an audience if you've got lots of minor well, e- even if they're major characters, if they've only got two words right. for the audience to keep track of who everyone is, you, we're going to need to lean on costuming with banners and whatnot. Yes. So. But, you know, what we also have to lean on, again, is the pageant structure. Yes. Because anyone who's watched a pageant completely gets that. They're like, oh, uh, she's pretty or she's funny or she's whatever. Uh, you know, they're all passing these very surface very surface judgments and right and honestly not really investing in any of them anyway because they want to see who's going to make it and then they really start paying attention so i think that that structure that is familiar to people actually buys us a little bit Uh, yes because if someone goes by in a blur they're like oh who was that then who cares yeah right yeah please i hope the first ladies museum is not listening currently (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I think, I I I think they if if um, they dropped out after episode two, uh, for sure. <laughs> they listened. They listened to the edited interview and went, "I'm never working with them again." <laughs> 
All right, moving on. So then I have a new batch of first ladies, and in the in the script that I gave you, I just put right in there. So now we're we're getting up to mid eighteen hundreds, right? And so even though this isn't quite a match historically, uh, I said the music should change to something Stephen Foster ish, so right. a little Americana ish. So even though I think Foster was more like the eighteen thirties or something, wasn't he? Uh, I think we're already past him in time, but that's okay. No one will know. Yeah. I, <laughs> well, I, I, no. They won't. So uh, yeah, it's eight, yeah. eighteen something. I, no, I think mid eighteen hundreds. Right. I'll well, have to I'll have to look it up and come back to you and sound informed. Okay. Well, we're currently around eighteen fifty now. Okay. Because Zachary Taylor's wife had already died, so there's no Mrs. Taylor in there. So we go to Abigail Fillmore. So that's that's that is actually literally eighteen fifty. So I put in the music something Stephen Fosterish, and I put Camp Town Races style, and then I literally did just rip off Camp Town Races, which because which is fine. It's out of copyright, so we're good with that. That's right. So the first lady sing the country was a growing fast do da do da, and these tough ladies aren't the last. This might take all day. Nice. Which is which is about how I felt when I was writing it. Yeah. Right. So. Stephen Foster, by the way, died in li- well lived from July fourth. He was born on July fourth. Wow! I think I knew that actually. You know, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams died on July fourth. Uh, that I did know. Yes, yeah, same thing. Uh, Love that he story. Uh, so eighteen twenty six to eighteen sixty four. So we're right around the the okay. right time here. All right. So Abigail Fillmore comes in and says, singing Margaret about, oh, Margaret hated, hated DC life. Everyone goes, do da, do da. So I, apparently I was wrong about Margaret Taylor. She did live. And then Margaret sings of Abigail. And Abby was a teacher, then a wife, lightly, oh, do da day. Then Mary Todd Lincoln comes in and goes about Jane Pierce. Jane wrote letters to her dead son. And no one goes doo-dah, or maybe there's a couple clueless ones coming out. And Jane says, and Mary lost Abe when the war was won. And no one says nothing, and they just stand there silently. And the host comes in and says, oh, great ladies. Great to see you. Goodbye. Let's." Now, is, this, is that supposed to be um, a gag? Yes. Okay. Playing as a gag that we got this deep, 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 and then the two most dour first ladies of all time come in. And uh, sing about horrible things, <laughs> <laughs> and they get shuffled off stage. So yes, that's all right. That's we'll a- we'll cu- we'll uh, we'll see how that goes over in rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't get editing right, so it's too bad for them. Yeah. They'll they'll make it look great. So yeah, right, okay. Now we're still something Stephen Fosterish. I put in here maybe more like a home sweet home theme. Mm-hmm. At least this is rhythm- rhythmically what I went with. So Eliza Johnson, it's good for Julia who likes it, but I do not like public life at all singing about Julia Grant. And Julia says, while Eliza struggled to manage White House life, the general I mostly had a ball. Obviously doesn't quite fit home sweet home, but sure. that's kind of what I had. Then that's Lucy right. Hayes comes in. They called me Lemonade Lucy because I wouldn't serve the rum. And then all three sing together because that was a nice change. Yes. So let's raise a glass of lemonade for all ladies, not just some. Right. And then another first ladies verse. Right. And then the first ladies in the background come in and sing. Is this right? For the first ladies in the background? Yes, they yeah. do. So they sing, we should be seen and not heard is the rule of old. No one voted for us, we have all been told. 
But after all, to make the White House into a home, it takes a woman's touch to do it, people, don't you know? Yeah. Nice. Then the host says, let's transition to the Victorian era, shall we, ladies? And I put musical shift only because I don't know what Victorian era music is, Joe. <laughs> Neither does anyone else, so I can write anything I want. That's right. So we got uh, different lyrics here then for Lucretia Garfield going up through the Wilsons. And that takes us up through a period. Uh, and I like this gag where in, in the last four First Ladies – uh, Edith Roosevelt says, I honored our first ladies with a lovely White House gallery. And Helen Taft said, and I accepted cherry blossoms. So the title basin was lovely. And then the two E. Wilsons. Ellen says, meatless, wheatless days and sheep a grazing helped us win the war. And Edith says, and when Woodrow had his stroke, we learned just what we had fought for. And then she breaks character musically and goes, America's first female, first female president is right here, y'all, gesturing to herself. And from the side, Hillary Clinton goes, yeah, yeah, cheater. <laughs> well, of course, Hillary has to comment on that. Uh, of, of course she does. Yes. Another first lady's verse. Yes. Which is really just blank verse based on nothing. Were we a hostess with the mostest or a president's advisor? The early years, despite our best, didn't seem to make the country wiser. To our charms, to our wit, the nation eventually would swoon, but we're in the 1900s. Massive changes coming soon. And I have shifting to like a 1920s kind of jazzy something or other. And here, rhythmically, I borrowed uh, from another duty-free song, to my knowledge, which is Sweet Georgia Brown. Oh, yeah. So Florence Harding, ladies, got the right to vote, and flappers ruled the day. Grace Coolidge, the jazz age, gave us more to do in work as well as play. Lou Hoover, everything was going well in 1928. And then Eleanor walks in and goes, and then all that frivolity ended, and we needed a first lady who would also go on to be our first United Nations ambassador. Oh, yes, of course, sorry. Rhyme, 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 dance, dance, parade. <laughs> I think the the more raspberries blown we can get in this show, the better. That's right. Eleanor Roosevelt blowing a raspberry. That was one of my favorite innovations. I did. All right. <laughs> so now. <laughs> that also must be her curtain call. <laughs> so uh, as if the song is not interminable enough, I'm sure the description is even more so for this episode. So to wrap it up, then the host comes in. Thank you, Mrs. Roosevelt, and shoves her off. Everyone's a critic. Moving on, and then we have some verses from the modern First Ladies. And I said, musically, this could now take like a, you know, maybe an Elvisy kind of, you know, some kind of 50s, early rock influence. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I had some verses in there. Another First Ladies verse comes in, and then we get... Some more modern first ladies, beginning with Pat Nixon. So Pat says, Richard was a tricky dick. The kids and I would suffer through, Betty Ford says. And people watch their Betty Ford fight drinking and breast cancer, too. Rosalind said, I was simple, just like Jimmy, my peanut farmer man from Plains. And Nancy Reagan says, and I said, just say no to all the kids who wanted more cocaine. I know. Which I kind of liked. Uh, magnificent. The Bushes come out. Barbara, and don't forget the in-laws Barbara... Laura Bush says, and Laura Bush, in a great moment for a chorus girl. And then Hillary Rodham Clinton says, and I'm the one you once thought should just have given Bill the push, rhyming with Bush. And then I have spoken. Michelle Obama just breaks out and goes, and then there's me. Get moving, everybody. Mostly out of my face and life. And Melania says, 
And then there is myself. Get everybody moving. Mostly leave my face. Michelle says, hey, I just said that. Melania says, I know, but it was so good. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad. I'm so glad you got something in there about Melania just stealing everything from Michelle. That's fantastic. Uh, By then, we'll have earned the perspective, right? Because half the audience will be gone. And so then the host... (laughs) Right. Well, let's face it. Look, only only lefty liberals go to the theater, so you know. That's I think we're no, fine. That's right. Yeah. And so the host says, and now, and so this is with the innovation we added based on something we talked about: the problem of dating ourselves. Since Melania Trump will not be the last first lady, I certainly hope not, but you never know. And so the host says. Uh, and for those of you keeping track at home, please also welcome these late ads to our bevy of contestants. And I wrote in here that, you know, staging productions could take the liberty to throw in uh, any first ladies who may have come in after, like Joe right. Biden. Right. So then, <laughs> then we finish with a repeat of the first ladies chorus. Right. First ladies. And that's it. That's about seven pages between the very opening of the show and that of lyric and script. All right. Whew. That's yeah. that's some good stuff. That's that's given, yeah. given the challenge of trying to put all that together, I think it is pretty good. Yeah. Only it is. because I'm not sure, you know, how to do it any faster and or you know, without losing all sense of meaning of what is happening and the, and the scene not taking five zillion years. But I think the challenge is going to be whether th- all of that works. It's going to be on you, buddy. You got to figure out how yeah. to make that not just, you know, because everyone hates medleys, which, of course, pageants do. Yeah, It's almost like a musical medley of styles through the ages as we go through first ladies through the ages. So I think you're right. Every time the first lady chorus comes back in, there's an opportunity for us to return to something thematically. Yeah. Even if it's been historically tweaked, you know, our, our theme. Well, so you that know, we don't lose one our musical way. that is springing to mind right now, although it's, it is a show that has a very clear sense of identity and is, and even in its title, it is clear about when it exists. But Ragtime is a show that tells multiple stories at once. Ragtime was the 1996 musical with music by Stephen Flaherty and lyrics by Lynn Ahrens, based on the 1975 novel by E.L. Doktorov of the same name. It tells the story of three different groups at the turn of the century, African Americans in Harlem, a white family from upstate New York, and Jewish immigrants entering Ellis Island. It opened in Toronto and featuring in the original cast the amazing Brian Stokes Mitchell and Audra McDonald, who incidentally have yet to agree to participate in our project. You got these different groups of people that coexist right. and different musical material that represents each, or diff- certainly different musical styles Diverse. that represents each group. Um, I, that's that's a show that springs to mind. I've seen that show, yeah. the, uh, just the one time. Yeah. But yes, I think in terms of diversity, that could help a little bit. So I'm going to kind of leave that to you. But I think what I wrote 
brought into creation at least what in theory we've said is what we'd like to see. Yeah. And there it is. Yeah. Okay. So what are you what are your what are your thoughts on that? Do, do we look at it and say, well, you know, it sounded good in the first episode, but now it looks like a train wreck. <laughs> like what, what I was, don't, what's your thoughts in reading it? I think it works on the surface. I think that there, there are some um challenges to overcome. Um, and I think, I think you're right. I think the biggest challenge is, or the biggest challenges are making sure we communicate to the audience, the tone and making sure that's clear and that we know what we want to achieve by the end yeah. of this number. I th- well, what we're trying to achieve is just get them out there and see who they are and get a little bit, you know, maybe some ideas. It's, of uh, some general themes, although we hit that in the in the in the prologue, so I don't know that we thematically it's super important. It's more like here, here's a buffet kind of surface uh, smorgasbord of all the first ladies that we've had in one place. Mm-hmm. That's basically what it is. It's to give you the sweep of what we've had and seen. And and as a general rule, when you do that then the depth is going to be not that much but that's going to come later i don't i don't know that we need to yeah. achieve that in as far as tone i'm thinking whereas the prologue is pretty sin- pretty darn sincere and genuine i think the tone throughout is cheeky there's not a even when mary todd and jane come out i mean they're serious as death yeah but the moment's still cheeky like it's, yeah. it's cheeky and cheesy Hopefully we're not cheesy, but pageants are cheesy. You know, I think it's more cheeky. It's cheeky from beginning to end. Right. Well, I think I've got to make sure. I think you're right. I've got to make sure the music matches that. Yeah. Um, because the music will, you know, I've got to be careful that it's not too farcical. Yeah. We're not. It's not disrespectful. Yeah. Right, because yeah. that undoes everything that we've just done. Right. Although you got to be honest, we're putting first ladies on stage in a pageant, and they're all dressed up in costumes with banners. Oh, right. I mean, <laughs> right. There's nothing. There's nothing genuine well, about that. There's you know, nothing I, faker no. or more shallow than a pageant. Right. I think. I mean, what I do have in my head right now is, you know, uh, Mel Brooks producers. The 2001 Broadway production of The Producers was an adaption of the 1967 film of the same name. Songs and lyrics were composed by Mel Brooks. A new film was made in 2005 of the 2001 theatrical production. But if you haven't seen the original movie with Zero Mostel and Gene Wilder, I highly encourage you to do that as soon as you finish listening to our podcast. That managed to put... I mean, and of course the story when... um, Bialystok and Bloom brought all the most ridiculous ideas together, and it ended up being not the flop that they wanted, but in a, you know a hugely successful comedy. Exactly. So you know, I'm thinking not that we're we're doing that, but the idea of bringing all these different things together and making sure that we get the right effect. And I, you know, who knows whether we'll actually achieve it? I don't know, but. Um, I just I, I I need to reflect on the lyrics and kind of get, get play around with some music and see if I can get something that feels like the right tone. Right. 
Yeah, we don't want it to be disrespectful and that, that we're just making fun of these people. Absolutely not. But it does need to be – but I think we have room to play yes. for sure. Yes. Straight up play because we earn it in the prologue. Hopefully. And after we burn that down. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. With this, uh, we have the whole rest of the show to slowly, by the finish, recapture that idea. Well, and it needs to be an opening number scene. I mean, you've got exactly. to have, you know, a bit of rat da da da, you know, kind of opening Absolutely. pizzazz. I mean, a plus like, it's. This is going to be fun. I can hardly wait to right, see what happens. Right. Yes. It's got to be entertaining. It's not, you know, it's, yes. it's, it's not some lecture. Um, yes. I, yeah. I think straight up and straight up uh, entertaining is what we want. And it's funny you say that because in our first draft of First Ladies, when we had this set in the White House, and then they blasted up through the chimney. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which was our yes, attempt. I remember it distinctly. Right. Uh, the second scene, I actually, because we could set things anywhere because it was a fantasy. The second scene I actually set in the woods in like the first lady sitting on logs in like an old pioneer schoolhouse. And Martha Washington basically did this. She taught everybody about all the first ladies. Right. That's when I thought, well, now this is a fail. <laughs> right. Right? Because it did feel like a history class. Right. And this is not that. Even well, this, though this it does. Essentially does yeah, well, it does exactly the same thing as that, but it's better. Because I literally set that scene in the first edition as a class. Yeah. Duh. But I'll tell right? you what it I tell you what this does that that, that original idea doesn't. This shows and the other one told. So, exactly. you know, I think the that's that, you know, that golden rule of theater, right? I mean, you've got to show, not tell. Yes. Um, Although I will be honest, some of the stuff I wrote in that first draft ended up in this. Sure. And I'm sure you don't remember that. But I got, I got tired of figuring, what do I say about these first ladies in two lines? And I realized, wait a minute, I've already done it. Yeah. And I went – I was about halfway through, and I went back and looked at that. I said, oh, this would work. And so I think you're exactly right because lyrically, in some cases, it's almost the same as our first attempt except when you set it different and the intention is different, the outcome is different. Even though lyrically, it's the exact same thing in a way, right? which is kind of interesting. I think it shows we have a better idea this time. I th I think so. And I think, uh, yes, there's still some telling, and it's not all showing in this, in this opening scene, but I think we'll have, we'll have time to put in, you know, songs about particular things that show depth of character and complexity once we get into it. Um, and this, this number... Again, needs to be a you know little razzmatazz, right? And also, by the way, uh, you know, rhythmically, I'm not really married to any of this lyrically. Sure, uh, sure. You know, if, if you have to change some, you know, even good portions of things to get a similar idea, but make a musical fit. Yeah, I'm not married to any of this. This, to me, this accomplishes. The cattle call, which we basically gave for ourselves. Yeah. This idea that we're going to bring them all out and we'll give each one uh, a moment. We accomplish that. Yeah. Uh, it, it almost doesn't even really matter uh, what they said 
in a way, because like we talked about in a pageant in this initial rush, that's not what people are really looking at or thinking about a whole lot. We're going to get to know them later. They're yeah. going to invest later. Right now, they just want to be wowed with, woo, look at all these first ladies. Which one's your favorite? You know, that's kind of where this number is right at the start. Well, which which almost comes back to that idea uh, I mentioned earlier about not getting too into the weeds with particular lyrics at this point. Right, um, right. You know, if we need, yeah, okay, if we need to fit something because it works better musically than lyrically, okay. Yes. Okay. Correct. Well, that's what happens when I'm writing lyrics first, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know what musically this is going to be. I've given us some ideas of what it should be, but you're the one who's got to figure all that out. Sure. So I think that takes us to, Joe, What? Do, where do we go from here and what is next? Well, so I think we have gone through and talked through that first scene in its entirety, both yeah. the last episode and this episode. And had some good reflection on uh, thoughts and philosophy and technique and all the rest of it as we as as we launch into the next stage, which to me is trying to set some of this to music, right? Uh, tag, you're it. <laughs> all right. So our next episode is going to be in about six months. <laughs> Um, so I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have a little work on this and then come back to you and, and maybe, and, and I'll warn you in advance that if I have to sing any of it so you can hear what the, what the lyrics are. Hey, I did some. It, it, is that what it was? Okay. Um. No. <laughs> Wait, no, I didn't. <laughs> right. So I am going to uh, muddle muddle my way through, maybe even Rex Harrison in My Fair Lady, which means talk my way through it rather than sing it. Um, you know, I might make uh, you know Jackie Kennedy sound like she's been smoking twenty packs a day. <laughs> yeah, Joe, this actually reminds me of something that occurred to me last night, and I almost shudder to say this because I don't want to take us in a different direction, but. We were watching a nighttime edition of The Price is Right last night. Fantastic. Sounds amazing. I know. It's not as amazing as it would be if Bob Barker was still on it, but that's okay. Yeah. Drew Carey's a native Clevelander, so we go with it. We, we stick by him. But it was a nighttime celebrity edition, and they had RuPaul on the show oh, <laughs> with bad. every contestant. Oh, my goodness. Playing for a charity, and I especially thought it was brave. He said, "I'm playing for Planned Parenthood." <laughs> On the show, God love RuPaul, and every contestant won everything. Oh. <laughs> but I'm watching RuPaul, and I'm thinking about this episode today, and I'm thinking, "Are we writing a drag show, <laughs> Steve? It's it music could be. It's musical theater. Every show's a drag show." <laughs> All right, I feel better now. Yeah. Come on. All right, Joe. Well, then you get to <laughs> you get to work, and I look forward to hearing what you come up with. All right. I'm going to write a drag show. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I knew I shouldn't have told you. <laughs> right. Well, thank you, sir. Um, magnificent work. And uh, we'll, we'll revisit with music next episode. I can hardly wait. 
So I'm still Joe. And I'm still Steve. And you have been listening to... Uh, two still fools <laughs> trying to still make a musical. Still. Oh, God. Right. Let's get to it. <laughs> Join us for more foolishness at twofoolstrying.com. Like us on Facebook and follow at Two Fools Trying on Instagram and Twitter.